0: Welcome to Beautiful Botswana The Travel Podcast where we aim to travel around Botswana and learn about this wonderful safari destination as we chat with experts, safari professionals and safari legends as we share stories, recommendations and help you plan your Botswana holiday. Joining me today for episode 8 of Beautiful Botswana The Travel Podcast Somebody that I have been familiar with over the last eight years, I haven't had the advantage of being out with him in his natural habitat out stargazing, but we are co-Mound citizens and know each other through shared activities in Mound. He came to Mound because of love, and as recently... Uh, written a book about Botswana, and specifically about the Botswana night skies. It gives me great pleasure to introduce astronomer, who's been an astronomer his whole lifetime, he tells me, Stephen James O'Meara. Welcome, Steve. Well,
1: welcome. Thank you, Tessa.
0: So, in order for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better, would you mind telling them about your story and how it is you became you came to be where you are now, writing a book about the
1: night skies of Botswana. Yes, well, I guess the story starts with the love. The love story, and that is when um, I met my wife, uh, Deborah Carter, and we were on an eclipse cruise that went from Hawaii to the South Pacific. It was a three-week cruise. And during that time, I, I met her, and then we fell in love. And she hailed from Botswana. I was from Hawaii and Massachusetts. And when it was, the cruise was over, I just said, well, would you mind me coming to Botswana? And I have to be honest, I didn't know where Botswana was. I knew it was in Africa. I didn't know exactly where next to which. So anyway, I just played blind man's bluff. And she wrote all these directions, get on this plane. And I didn't even want to look at a map. I just wanted to arrive. And I did, and um, and it's now home now. And it's now it's home. So the the book came out of that, and it was because the stars were so beautiful here, and so that it, was a
0: surprise for you. You didn't come no. to Botswana expecting to be able to use your craft here, and particularly develop no. this Botswana night skies ex- expertise you now have.
1: No, it, and. Um, I've written a book about the southern skies before, and it's mostly based on observations from uh, New Zealand and Australia and parts of s- uh, South Africa. Really, Botswana skies blew me away, and I just felt passionate about it, and also the people. Mm-hmm. I felt passionate about the people and their yearning to learn the sky and to learn more about the sky, especially the the guides and the tra- oh my god, that that really inspired me to write the book.
0: So you realized that there was a bit of a, there was a bit of a, a, an opportunity in that there was there was information missing and people wanted it in a more accessible form.
1: Yes. and, and it, the last time a book about the stars over Botswana was written, oh my it was, must have been at least 50, 60 years ago. So so much more knowledge we have mm-hmm. today. Uh, and the other book is great is no longer in print. And so this sort of carries on the uh, an earlier tradition, mm-hmm. and then the opportunity to meet with the local people and also with the indigenous people, the Basawa, and to learn about their interpretations of the sky and to do research and all that was just it's something I I pers- it's one of my own personal endeavors whenever I go to a place I try to delve myself into the local culture and their interpretations of the sky.
0: So your book's just recently been printed. Yes. It's um, available on Amazon.
1: Yes, it's available now on Amazon, Kindle, um, also paperback, very affordable. Um, and, and let's see, and I know it's available in print down in Southern Africa right now. Uh, I heard just today that it was also available in Gabs. And so hopefully, once the borders open, it's going to be distributed globally. So
0: Fantastic. And um, I'll include a link to your book on Amazon in the show notes for this podcast so that okay. if anyone wants to look into it yes. or even just simply um, have a look through a preview. As you say, it's available on Kindle, which is fantastic. Yes. So they can they can go and look for it there. Yes. So when you arrive in Botswana and you, you arrive in Maun... Mm-hmm what what where was your first moment of i can't believe these night skies
1: well really it's the first night in Mount um seriously all of Mount is a is a tremendous place to see the stars i mean maybe not under a streetlight in downtown but downtown is really not what anyone would consider downtown <laughs> would <were> they <laughs> indeed <laughs> <laughs> yeah so in fact, if you look at uh, satellite maps and there's NASA information on where the darkest sites are in the world, Mound in Botswana is one of them. You know, the the vicinity. Of Botswana itself is a, a, among the most uh, impressive places to see the night sky. That's amazing. So yeah.
0: when when a traveler is standing here in the Delta and they say, "This is unbelievable. I haven't seen this. that There is no light pollution." That's that's the in, that's the impression people get when they're traveling here and they're out yes. underneath the open sky. And they're 100% right. You saying, yeah. from a map, it is one of the darkest places on the planet you can see yes, the sun. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. And the delta itself is you know, even, even more so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so.
0: And then in terms of um, the night sky in the southern hemisphere versus the northern hemisphere. Yes. Any, I mean, you yeah. said you've already previously written a book about the Southern Hemisphere skies. Is, but
1: there, it, is Yeah, no, but there's a great difference. <laughs> it really is. Um, because the most fantastic swaths of Milky Way that you can see, the Milky Way being a, our galaxy and that m- river of light that goes through the sky, the hub of our galaxy, the center of our galaxy, where most of the mayhem is occurring, is overhead from Botswana. Um, you know, at certain times of the year, when in the northern hemisphere that region of the sky is very low to the horizon, mm-hmm. um, and you don't see it as well. Plus, the, the area of the Southern Cross, and um, which is very famous to lots of people looking to when they come to the southern hemisphere that Crosby Stills and and Young song. You know, we see the Southern Cross <laughs> for the first time, you know, why you came this way. You know, they weren't kidding. And <laughs> so it really is um, truthful lyrics. and that. But that region, that particular region, is the most dynamic in the Milky Way, according to my own visual impressions.
0: And obviously you hail from the Northern Hemisphere. That's where yes. you started your astronomy. You've conducted different... In different locations around the world, yes. so you you I mean you you feel confident being able to say that. It's oh yeah, like absolutely. Yeah. Me I, saying I, it, I think that that African skies are amazing, but I don't really have a point of comparison. I mean, really,
1: I think if Van Gogh were to have seen this region of the sky, he would have his his art would have been even more swirly and spectacular. <laughs> more swirly Van Gogh paintings. I like
0: that. I like that analogy. <laughs> So, Steve, in terms of um, this idea of the Milky Way, the Southern Cross, are there any other constellations that you think are what people coming to the Southern, coming to Botswana, coming to the Southern Hemisphere should look for when they are traveling here?
1: Muska the fly.
0: Okay,
1: tell me about this one. <laughs> it's right below the Southern Cross. We just love it. It's just a, it's a tiny constellation. The Southern Cross is a tiny constellation in itself, and but just below it is Musca the fly. It's just a, the cutest little thing. It's just a, like a little parallelogram with three stars in it and a triangle with little wings, and it's and it's a, a fly.
0: I'm definitely gonna have to find a link. Um, maybe you can help me with that, to yeah. include in the episode notes of what this little constellation yes. looks like. So we look for it. I them. know.
1: I think uh, originally it was called the bee. Okay. Because there was... Uh, lots of changes have occurred over the centuries in star maps. So in the northern sky, it they, they used to be Apis, the bee. Mm-hmm. And so they made a southern bee. But then, I for whatever reason, and they decided to make it fly. So... You know, maybe. I Who like knows?
0: that. And that suits our that suits our safari vibe well.
1: I know. That's right. It does. You know, you can always tell. What they need is a cape buffalo. Yeah, you know, exactly. I, you know, yeah. when you see a lot of flies, you know the cape buffalo are nearby. So maybe that's why they did it.
0: <laughs> there are also there are also constellations that are uncommon between the yes. northern and the southern hemisphere that someone coming from the northern hemisphere can yes. look at and feel comforted by knowing it's there. What are the sort of more common ones that are?
1: Yes, I, I, you know, it's really this, the, uh, the Southern constellations themselves, although I hate to say this, many of them are obscure. Mm-hmm. And, and few people, everyone knows the Southern Cross. They know Alpha and Beta Centauri, which are the two b- brightest stars, and the constellation Centaurus, which is a beautiful constellation. But the problem is that it's so large, most people fail to see it because it is so large. Mm-hmm. I outlined it in my book and, and so on to help people to see this. Um, and next to it is another beautiful constellation, um, Lupus, the wolf. Now, we don't have any wolves in the Southern Hemisphere. So in the book, you'll see that. I see. It can also be seen as a leopard. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, on, on the tree branch. Right? You know, it's just so I've, I've made my own interpretations as ancient cultures would have interpreted the skies um, in, in some sections. I show you the real constellation, and then I show you a, a more understandable Mosawa, yeah, version of the constellation. Um, and let's see, there's it really one one fascinating aspect of the Milky Way in the southern skies that you really don't do in the northern hemisphere is that a lot of southern hemisphere aboriginal cultures, Saw dark constellations. Oh wow! Yeah, so it, it it's it's really fascinating that the in Australia the the native Aboriginals have and Barapari, which is the dark crow, and they're in the Milky Way, and they're these dark. So
0: it's almost like seeing a cloud. It is. In they're the dark,
1: sky. and they're called dark nebulae, but they're dark clouds. In fact, the. No one really knew what they were because it looks like if you, when you're in a really dark sky, the, mil- the stars are so bright and there's no light pollution. When a cloud passes over the sky, it's dark and it obscures the stars behind it. Dark nebulae look exactly like a terrestrial cloud obscuring the stars, only they don't move. They're permanent. They're <laughs> part of the Milky Way. There are these cold, dark clouds, that permeate the Milky Way. And they, the ancient people, looked to the darkness and made constellations. So there's a giraffe, there's an ostrich. Yeah, so so it's just, I find that most fascinating. That really is fascinating. As you say, it's
0: just a different way of seeing the sky. It is. And, I mean, wherever we are in the world right now, wherever you are listening to this, if you are able to walk outside tonight and have a look at the sky, it automatically is going to just change the way we think about it.
1: Yes. Look at it. In a totally different way. Look at the dark
0: spaces and not just the lights.
1: So we were on the pans, which is the Great Magadigani Salt Pans, which is one of the largest in the world. It is a super lake and it's flat 360 degree horizon. And the Milky Way is so bright. The stars are so bright that you can walk the pans, which are sort of a salt colored under starlight and see where you're going. It is just it is amazing and to know that the aboriginals use the stars for navigational purposes and you can understand how, why they did that and how yeah. they can use that.
0: If somebody wants to come to Botswana and really see the skies, I mean, from what you said, you can even be a mound and you can see an amazing it sky. It really is, you know what? You can to, see it from anywhere. But if they yes. really want a great astronomical experience, yes. where are the spots to go? Well, any,
1: you know what? Any, any camp in the Delta... You, you Even by the campfire, you just cannot help but look up and see the night sky. Of course, the Magadigari pans and the, and the places that will take you out to the pans. There are camps that have sleep decks, so you can have open air decks. You sleep up on these high sky, what they call them? Sky S- beds. Yeah. Sky beds, yes. And so now camps are, are creating those where you are safe, you're, you're out of animal reach, and you, you're open to the heavens. No, but seriously, all of Botswana, from the Kalahari Desert to, it, it's good. It, you see the sky in, in its pristine conditions.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And then in terms of time of the year, I mean, Botswana is a dusty place, obviously in the rain, season, a bit yes. of cloud cover. Is there a particular time that you've found has really given you the best night skies? May, June. So just after the rains? Before just after the, the rains
1: before the dust builds up. May, June, into July. I don't really know. I haven't lived here long enough to know the true cycles of when things happen. Of course, we have a rainy season. You don't want to come stargazing during the rainy season. But then again, see, okay, so where I spent most of my adult life was in Hawaii. And people always say, when's the best time to come to Hawaii? It's like, when's the rainy season? Yeah, there, there is a rainy season, but... Yeah, and even in our rainy rain. season,
0: it, it tends not necessarily to be low overhead cloud for days on
1: end. No, no. So, in fact, the first year that I came here, during the rainy season, it was clear every night. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I took that for granted. But then, of course, the rains did come one of the years later. You, know? <laughs> you never know. I, I don't know. But you don't want to come when the sky is totally dusty. And I, I know that in August, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, for the stars. Yes. Um, You can see them still, and anyone from a city environment, anyone who who comes from a city, will see even the dusty August skies and think they are absolutely fabulous. Not knowing that...
0: Yeah, that that it is a dusty version of what... So you don't know. So you don't know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's remarkable anyway. Yeah.
0: And of course, the moon's a huge part of the star, stargazing. I mean, if somebody who's really, really keen on stars, do you think they should take the moon phases into account if they, they want to see good stars? I think,
1: yeah, they, they, they really should. They need to come around. Um, new moon, between last quarter and first quarter, and new moon. Mm-hmm. You know, if you come, you know, unless you're a moon fan, which is okay. Lots of people love to go out under the, uh, under in the wilderness under full moonlight. I'm telling you, that's, a, that's magic in itself. Like I said, it's, it's just a different kind of magic. It's just a different kind of magic. When you're in a city again, there's so many artificial lights that you really don't know the influence of moonlight on the natural landscape. So uh, if you're a moon fan, <laughs> really, you come, come at full moon and see Botswana under the moonlight. See a moon shadow. See I mean, a moon talking shadow. Talking about lyrics of Absolutely songs. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, there you go. <laughs> um, oh,
0: we, were at, we were out on Samadupi Pan this weekend, and oh, for yeah. the listeners, Samadupi is a, a small pan, not nearly on the scale of Makarikari, just outside of Maun, yes. and it is a beautiful space to watch yes. the night sky. And my previous visit, I was out, we were there on a new moon underneath the, the stars with not a no moon to interrupt it. Yes. And then this weekend it was full moon and it was so bright we could see colour by moonlight. Yeah. And that is really something. I having, Even though I grew up in Africa, I grew up in a city, so okay. it really took living in Botswana in the wild to fully appreciate exactly what you're saying about seeing the natural environment yes. under moonlight. And I can even tell you something it is.
1: It's true. In, in so true. you can read. I wonder if you can read by moonlight. I'm curious. You need someone well, with younger well, eyes. Well, my
0: husband monitors solar panels, and his solar panels have picked up energy through the moonlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has, yeah. Well, he has oh, I think, 17 or so. It's reflected
1: sunlight. Of the so, camps. So, yeah, camps have sunlight.
0: his solar system in, and yeah. he, he monitors them remotely, and, and he's, yeah. picked up, yeah, he's picked yeah, up energy. Yeah. Charging through moonlight. So. I know.
1: But even last night, so the, we have the Kalahari sands in, in our area, right? Deborah and I went out and were looking at the moon and then just looking down at the ground. Now, because, you know, the sky is blue because it's, it's scattering sunlight, so the moonlight too. Believe that, so if you take a photograph of the sky at night under a full moon, the sky will be blue. And so, but then, now that is reflected down onto the Kalahari sands and it turns... The sand sort of a bluish, gives mm-hmm. the sand a bluish cast. And it was so fascinating. Yeah, exactly, so, so, so anything.
0: imagine sitting in Botswana in the bush, you've got the night noises around you, you've got this beautiful moonlight reflected on the sand and it's making the silver shimmer and then you've got the leaves shadows onto that same sand. and It is something special. Yeah. When you compare that to how distanced we are from such things if you live in a city. So that's a great comparison. I, I mean, obviously, as a star man, you'd rather go out onto the pans with no, with no, full, with no moon, with a new moon. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been out there with full moon?
1: Do you, do, yes, actually, I have. Bright moonlight. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I have on um, um, the Makati Kadi pans under bright moonlight.
0: Yeah, and it's bright, and then you've got, of course, you've got the fact that you've got this lunar landscape that you're on, watching yes. the full moon, which is also, yeah. it's sort of like this weird, I, know. I don't want to say trippy, but trippy <laughs> experience. Yeah.
1: But it really gives you a sense and a hope and education for people about the ill effects of light pollution overall and how the sky is such an important part of our environment. And it's hardly ever taken into view or perspective, mainly because most people hardly ever see it now from the city, but to see it under pristine conditions. Oh my God, just imagine this. Imagine going out to the pans at night, No moon. In fact, let's take the moon out of the sky. Now let's take all the stars out of the sky. And I'm going to say, enjoy yourself under the pants. Sleep in the open air under the pants. You will freak out.
0: Yeah, it would be like sleeping
1: in a cave. It would be like sleeping in a cave. It would be complete darkness. There was no light at all. You cannot see anything. And so, (laughs) talk about the importance of starlight. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And then,
0: like you mentioned, the pans, you've got the 360 horizon. Yes. It's almost so flat, you can see the Earth's curvature. And yeah, then you've got way that way. real sense of being in a galaxy, because you're seeing the Milky Way as it is, a ring around the yeah.
1: Earth. You are. You're on like a little asteroid, just floating in space. And you're looking out at the grandeur of the universe, and this, what I call visual poetry, which is the Milky Way. Mm-hmm. Um and you can just disappear into your own thoughts as to what it all means. And then
0: we, we mentioned, I spoke earlier about seasonality in terms of um, visibility of the sky. Yes. Is there a particular season that's better in terms of the variety of constellations or which constellations are Yeah, now, now
1: is a better time. August, uh, August is a really prime month, although it's the time of the season. So now... Like June, May, June, is a fantastic time. If you can spend hours under the night sky, um, because it is clear. And like I said, the hub of the galaxy, which is the most intense part of the galaxy, and the Southern Cross, and the Magellanic Clouds, they're they're all up, and also highest in the sky at this time of year. And it is the best time uh, to, to, to come to see that grandeur.
0: And then there's been a fair amount of excitement in the last few months whilst we've been in lockdown. Um, what have we had happening? I mean, we've had activities and uh, like events, it's probably yeah. a better way, saying it, oh, that's been going on recently. What are the sort of the, the key things that have happened that have, have excited you about being locked down in Botswana? At least you've got your like. <laughs> Everyone else is frustrated. They can't go anywhere. You're happy anyway because the sky is always above you.
1: Yeah, the sky's always there and go out. That's the other thing, too. Just I'll get to that question. Um, but just the other thing is the sky can be your friend. Everyone knows the name of an animal, they know the name of a flower, they know the name of a bird. You say, oh, there's a robin. Or here, you would say, you know, there's a go away bird. <laughs> but ask someone to name a star. Is
0: that is unfamiliar
1: territory. It's unfamiliar. People can say, oh, there's. Rhymes about it, but I cannot tell you how wonderful it is to choose a star as a companion and to have just you go out and you look and you say that star means something to me, and and this was also something that the ancient cultures did to them, they were the spirit of their ancestors. I write a bo- I, The other thing about my book is that it, it deals specifically, um, and a lot of lore, local mm-hmm. lore, and so you really get a new perspective on Botswana and interpretations of the sky but to see that it's their spirit ancestors and when they look they see the, the souls of the deceased and the brightest ones are the ones that have most recently passed and those and that they begin to fade, the fainter ones are those who have passed in bygone days. It's just good even in Hawaii in the cultures when certain stars, Set and they knew they wouldn't see them for six months. They wept,
0: mm. like you. you and, and then again, yes. and, you, and then there must be that excitement when it returns. Yeah, and then it
1: returns, and it's 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 a joyful moment because yeah, they, here they can see their friend has returned. It's powerful stuff.
0: Yeah, it's that connection to that that is bigger than yourself. Yeah.
1: and we are part of the universe. We are star stuff. You know, we are made of what you look up at the night sky is we are a part of that. Integral, it's an umbilical cord, even though you can't see it, it's between us and the stars. But the events that have happened recently during lockdown, which were exciting, was um, recently we had, well, first we had a total lunar eclipse, and it happened over Africa. And that was glorious, it was really beautiful. Did you happen to catch the sight of it? Yeah. Followed by (laughs) a partial solar eclipse so the, at sunrise, so the sun rose and we were out at the Makati Kadi pans. So the sun rose in this flat three hundred and sixty degree horizon in eclipse. So the sun was already had a bite taken out of it, you know, a large chunk out of it. And then just to see the the atmosphere just rip it apart. The whole thing was just yeah. all this miraging and heat shimmering going on. It was just amazing. It was a spiritual experience to see the. You know, the sun rise as a crescent.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's
1: just and then just um, a week later, or I'm sorry, a month later, uh, followed by another lunar eclipse. And then we had a, a penumbral, so two, two eclipses, and both were actual visual acuity tests, because they were in the Earth's penumbra. I know that means nothing to anyone. But that's, but
0: yeah. the, that's the shadow, beyond the shadow, right? That's
1: I mean, that's is, yeah, that's the faint shadow. That's beyond your shadow, yes. Every shadow has an umbra, a dark part, and a penumbra, which is a gray part that very fades away. So, um, yeah, so these were in the gray fading away part. So very difficult to see, but a fun challenge. See, now we have two binocular comets in the sky. Now that the moon's out of the sky, there's two binocular comets. They're on the faint end, but, you know, we never know what's gonna happen, but, so that's happening. And meanwhile, it's unfortunate we had one comet that was getting brighter and brighter and brighter as it went toward the sun. And then it slipped into the northern hemisphere, and it's a fabulous comet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you could travel right now on would you? If I could it, travel right you? now,
1: I, yeah, I don't know, we'll see, yeah. <laughs> Depends.
0: <laughs> Steve wants to move with the comet into the northern hemisphere. I know,
1: hemisphere. I know. Be like Mark Twain. He said he came in on the comet and he was going to leave on it. That was Halley's comet. He was born on Halley's Comet, and I think he died on the return of Halley's Comet, so he predicted his own death.
0: (laughs) Well, in talking, I mean, you mentioned earlier the folklore. Is there any particular story that is a local traditional fable about the stars that really resonates with you?
1: Well, two come to mind. One is a fun one, and one is just resonated only because one thing I asked recently, I was down in Hansi, and I was talking to the Hansi Basara and um, was one of the chief and the elders, and we were out in a dark region where they are. And we're under the stars with a campfire, and we're just chatting. I had an interpreter and said, when you look at the stars, what do you feel? So I need an interpreter to say, "You know, cause that, how do you say that to mm-hmm. you? Know, what do you feel when you look at the stars? And this one a bit, leaned back, and he looked up, and he said, peace. Oh, that really hit me. <laughs> you know, you, you, yeah, peace. You, you see peace. And in this time of trouble. <laughs> exactly. That's very reassuring. And as you Isn't say, it?
0: and one of the reasons why I think it's great to have a conversation like this and talk about the stars is because however much we might want people to travel here to Botswana to experience our night sky, yes. That peace and those stars are available to all of us as humanity, no matter where we may be. Yes. And there may be better places to see them than others, and we do hope that people come to Botswana to share them here with us. But at the end of the day, as humanity, we can all walk outside tonight, and unless it is heavily clouded, look at a star and hopefully find some of that peace. Yes,
1: exactly. That's yeah.
0: Good yeah, so that's, that's a great one. And then what was the funny one?
1: Oh, the funny one. It was about the moon phases. And it was this hunter went out and he um, and he shot an animal. Not okay. Let's go back. <laughs> this this is ancient times in Aboriginal times when they were hunter gatherers. So, this is, this is um, you know in the PC days. This is, this is ancient tradition, and and he had the hide of the animal which he brought back for his family to keep them warm. So he slept with his wife under the animal's hide to keep warm, and then. So that was New Moon, and mm-hmm. then as he was sleeping, his wife started to steal the covers. And so that, he was more and more exposed, <laughs> <laughs> and so until he was completely exposed at Full Moon, and then he started to take the covers back from his wife. and <laughs> So that was the waxing and waning phases of the Moon, which I loved. I
0: think that's fantastic, that's yeah. a great story. Yes. Um, Particularly in light of the fact that at the moment it's July, It's in Botswana it's pretty chilly. chilly. It's very chilly. <laughs> particularly you just in the middle like of the night. <laughs> and so I, I am feeling that story right now. Oh, I know all right. about having to fight for your covers.
1: I know, it is. <laughs> that's
0: fantastic. So in Sesaro yeah. culture, yes. that was the story was yeah. the husband, the wife stealing the yes. blanket and then stealing the it back. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, Steve. The, the, just, just that alone is enough to make my appetite to hear some of the other stories. Yeah. Because I think the, the fables and the, the, the interpretations um, of the sky, night sky is fascinating. Yeah. And it does it make is. you appreciate what you're seeing when you can see how other people
1: see it. So. Right, yeah. yeah. And then also, you know, we sh- the other thing about the sky is, is, is one thing that there's regions of the sky that can be seen everywhere on Earth. And so, even though, let's say you have a, a sister or a brother or a mother or father in another country in the in different hemisphere, let's say in England, well, you can go out at, at a given time and say, I'm going to look at this star. You'll both be looking at that star at the same time in your and you're sharing an experience. You know, just something that. It's,
0: yeah, it's like having a, a thread connecting you through yes. the night sky. Yes. Yeah, um, oh, so we fantastic.
1: are all united under the stars.
0: Oh, that's exactly, that's fantastic. Yeah. If people are wanting to stargaze, is there, is there a need to have equipment? Is there anything? I mean, I'm sure you have a huge amount of equipment in order to yeah, follow okay. comets and that. But you mentioned earlier binocular com- comets. I'm assuming those are comets that are visible.
1: In binoculars, through binoculars. Binoculars. binoculars, yeah. Binoculars? So really, <laughs> don't go out and buy a telescope. <laughs> that's my mm-hmm. first advice. First advice is to go out and look at the sky. Yeah, you, you either have it or in your or you don't. It, it either captures you and you want to learn more. And if you do, I mean, look at there are apps available now on, on your phone and you, that'll connect you um, to, to to see the stars and know what you're looking at. Um, there are these little star wheels that mm-hmm. you can you can purchase that are more tangible and you can see how the stars move night after night, month after month, in a in a right-brain manner instead of having it explained to you. And
0: Where are the, not the, not the sky wheels available from?
1: I would say any planetarium. Okay. Yeah. And
0: are they specific to a location? Yes, yeah. So you've
1: got to be able this to... This one is for the southern sky.
0: And would this one be particularly available then only in the southern hemisphere? Would someone in the northern hemisphere be able to find one through their own find. Yeah,
1: you can get... Usually, planetariums will have... They'll have the whole gamut. They'll, okay. Yeah. Because just like the sun rises and sets... The sun is a star. Yes, It just happens to be the closest star to us. It rises in the east sets in the west. Well, every other star in the sky does that every single night. The only complication is the earth go- is going around the sun. So it's like you walking around a table and your perspective changes of the room as you walk around the table. So our perspective of the sky changes as we walk around, as the earth goes around the sun. So a star that's rising here and January and June will be setting in the west mm-hmm. at the same time of night mm-hmm. you go out. So that's why you have to go out and watch the stars and keep track of the stars because otherwise you'll lose sight of them because they do move. They move over the course of the night and they move one degree every single day.
0: Now that's fantastic. And as you say, the apps are great. Uh, it means know yes. people who love them, but something tangible like that, it it's a bit easier to grasp the concept of the movement when you can play yes. around with it a little bit. Yeah. So um, I'll definitely put a link into a... I'll try and find one of those available possibly online. Yeah, yeah, you can order. get them
1: online. Definitely you can get them online, Amazon, um, easily. Uh, Amazon. Put a link of the, one of those in the show notes as well. Yeah. So
0: people who are particularly dreaming about yeah. Botswana skies, even sitting in the Northern Hemisphere, can imagine these things and, and start getting familiar with the... With the different constellations. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, that's right. So the book has um, it it works in unison with these uh, with with these uh, star wheels. Um, but it's also independent in that it shows you perspectives of the sky when you face north, south, east, and west. So no matter when you come to Botswana and you're at a camp, you never know which direction your tent will be facing. So that's why I broke it up into these four different directions. So no matter where you are and you set your camp and you come back from your game drive, you'll be able to use the star map and look in that direction and, and see the sky for a particular time of night.
0: That's great. And somebody who lives in the southern hemisphere who would yes. like to learn more about their own night sky so that they can share it with travelers and they can share it with friends and family, where should they start learning? How, what, what would you say is the best way for a young guide or. Yeah, well, the book, that,
1: actually, the book that I wrote. It was designed, especially because I met the guides. And it was through them that they inspired me because um, they, they all were asking me, you know so much about the sky, we'd love to learn more. And so I figured that the best way, thing I could do was to create a book that would help the guides. Also, I spoke with various people so that they could be BODA accredited. You know, so in other words, there's the information, if you were to get BOTA accredited, which is, you can tell them what that is.
0: So that's a training accreditation that's Botswana-specific.
1: Yeah, and um, and so all the information they need to know to get BOTA accredited so is also in that book. It's
0: basically a textbook as well as a field guide. Yeah,
1: but don't, textbook is the wrong word only because I simplify everything into yes. really, uh, uh, Understandable in an understandable simple and understandable ways and also I cur- I call this a, a first step guide So I don't throw everything at you at once um, It the stars is I, I give you the brightest stars the most noticeable constellations so you get your foot in the door basically and start understanding
0: and as you said, and spend time getting familiar with those constellations, working out how they change through the year, how they move through the year,
1: yeah. before
0: starting to then learn more about the the less obvious.
1: Um, yeah, and it has also all the galaxies and clusters you can see, with the naked eye and binoculars, you know, it's specific. So, yeah, so it's a very uh, helpful resource for anyone who wants to begin and. Mm-hmm astronomy That's really a perfect guide in the Southern Hemisphere.
0: And I think, um, I, I hope that through what you've said today, uh, our local listeners are also able to really appreciate this resource that is our night sky that we do take for granted. We're always talking about wildlife. And if we're not talking about wildlife, we're talking about tracks and water and flood levels and all these things. Right. But we don't really turn around and say, well, look at our beautiful night sky and what an amazing resource. It's obviously yeah. spoken about in terms of selling the country, but I think for, for those of us li- living here, it's something we can maybe stay, take for granted a little bit and just how different from the Northern Hemisphere and how unique it is that we have this.
1: Yeah, and even if you just want to go outside and look at the sky and appreciate it. And one thing you'll see that helps a lot is to turn your lights off and your <laughs> to see the sky if you're living at home. Mm-hmm. You know, for those local people, um, all, all of us, Um, The things that I do is always I turn the lights off um, and then I go outside. So you minimize your light pollution. Your eyes are very sensitive to light. And this is what a lot of people need to understand because it comes from the reptilian part of the brain where we associate light with fire, where fire meant safety. And so we have these bright, bright lights feeling we're going to be safe. When actually, what we need to do is shield the light so that you cannot see the light, but it illuminates the ground very softly. Because it takes just a little tiny bit of light, it goes, it goes a long way in illuminating a great distance. And you don't want to see the light, you want the, the light bulb. That's why we have lampshades, right? You don't want to walk into a house and have a bright light shining in you. When you're at a campfire or a campsite under a dark sky and someone shines a flashlight into your eyes, what do you say?
0: Yeah. Get that light out of my eyes! We get pretty abrupt and pretty rude pretty quickly. <laughs> I
1: can't see a thing. And that's what happened because... This is why I don't like headlamps. I know, that's why The head, head, head torches.
0: I know, the head torches
1: and people coming at you and, and you're shining light in your eyes because your eyes are so sensitive. And the, here's the thing. Once you get a bright light shining in your eyes... It takes 20 minutes for your eyes to adapt to the darkness.
0: Hmm. So does that mean if someone wants to go stargazing, they should give themselves at least 20 minutes to yeah, sit and just, yeah, a, even just 15 minutes, start just, to see the detail come out Yeah, the if, you just, if
1: you just don't go outside, well, you can't. I'm not going to tell people what they can do, <laughs> can't not do. But if you want to go outside and peek your head up, if you see a bright star and that's all you want to do, that's wonderful. But if you want to spend some time under the stars and make the most of it, yeah, 20 minutes. You know, if you can even just say, I'm going to take one half an hour just to go outside, bundle up, and just give thought to the wonders of the universe, then yes. And let your eyes adapt Let your eyes adapt. In 15 minutes, even in 10 minutes, your eyes will have adapted to start to see more. But they'll be fully adapted to get the best after at least 20 minutes of resting.
0: Awesome. Well, that's really great advice, Steve. Thank you so much. I think... um, I'm definitely going to walk out tonight, as oh, I said, in the forest, but I will do my best to walk out and, and appreciate the stars again. Yeah. The last time I was under an open sky, the moon was so bright we saw very little, but we did see the planets yeah. rising with the
1: moon. Look in the east, you'll, you'll see the pair of planets. The two largest planets in our solar system will be there. Jupiter and Saturn.
0: Well, talking about planets, we haven't discussed Mars and your yes. upcoming book. I mean, there's, there, we, we can keep on going. There's so much to talk about. Yeah. In terms of planets in the night sky, obviously Mars is an easy one to, to find a, because of Every the great two one. years,
1: but yeah, but only every two years. So Mars okay. is coming. This is a big year for Mars because in July, this month also, there's an, an, an armada of spacecraft from all different nations being launched to go out to. Go out to Mars. We're continuing our exploration of Mars for future, believe it or not, possible colonization of the planet. Um, call it a pipe dream, but Elon Musk has his way. His way, it will happen. It could happen within our lifetime. So, um, Mars comes to opposition um, in October. So, so that
0: will be a really good time to look out for Mars. Yeah, that'll
1: be a really good time to look out for Mars. It'll be closest to Earth and. Um, yeah, so the little red planet's coming again.
0: Fantastic. And then we've also obviously got Venus as our, our yeah. evening so star. So the
1: Mars book, but I said, that's right. I did write a book, for, and it, it is about called Mars and it just come out also right now uh, because of uh, the pandemic. Though it is, you can order it on Amazon, and, but it's, it actually covers the entire history of Mars since, since the first people looked at it. Including the Basara, <laughs> and all the way to, to Elon Musk and his in his plans to colonize Mars, from H. G. Wells' co- the, the the radio drama that had the world in a panic, to uh, Percival Lowell and his canals on Mars, to all the Sojourner and the whole, the, the, whole the, lot. the whole shebang man
0: and man and his relationship with, with Yes, the house that's basically. right yeah. yeah oh fantastic fantastic yeah. and again I think that that's the kind of thing for somebody who's interested in knowing a bit more read a book like that and gain a little bit of the understanding of our cultural yeah. association yeah. With, F- with,
1: with with the red planet the red planet yeah
0: fantastic any other um, planets that are worth looking out for in the night sky
1: well in the in the morning you've re- um Venus is really bright, mm-hmm. yeah, so at the moment, if you get up the really the morning star is Venus it's mm-hmm. really brilliant in the east, and it is near near its brightest, so it you know still gaining brightness, but still you'll see it Well, so that's good
0: well, it does sound Steve like um we probably should schedule these chats for sort of what maybe every Every year having a yes. chat around early what's happening in the what's night sky in, in the, the, the next, next few months. Yep. Yeah, it sounds like there's as you say, there is change and even though we if you're not paying attention to it, it looks always the same that there is this change to keep an eye out and, and really appreciate. <laughs> which is fantastic. Okay. Are you ready for the lightning round? My snapshot session. Yes. All right, what I is think. your most precious or valued piece of Safari equipment and why?
1: My eyes and binoculars.
0: Any particular um, point about the binoculars? I mean, do they need to be a certain size, a certain strength?
1: Um, uh, any, any recommendations there? I think lightweight is best. So um, Deborah owns a really nice pair of 8x42s. That's, a, that's really, a, it's in the, they're lightweight, they're good quality. You don't have to get fantastic quality. You don't have to spend a lot of money. That's all I know. I have a pair of binoculars, at 10x40s. I bought at a sort of a yard sale for ten U.S. dollars.
0: the reason it's it's so interesting you say binoculars. I'm almost about to change this question from except binoculars. What is your safari? I know, but I would everyone say it answers really, a binoculars. I but it's a great it's a great point that this keeps on being reinforced by different guests who have not heard each other. Okay. Not heard each other's answers that the binoculars. i the eyes. Over and
1: over you again. I'm going to say the eyes, and I know everyone probably wants you to say. Bring a good camera and tell everyone, and give you all that all that information about the cameras. But I tell you, a ca- your eyes see what's happening. Your eye brain, your eye brain system sees an event which will stick in your memory. The camera shows you an event that your eyes have missed.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's really interesting. I interviewed Matthew Matt Copham. and even his answer to this question was binoculars not a camera and he's a photographer yes that's right and he made the same point which is that at some point even if you are there to take photographs put your camera down and just be present with your memory and your eyes as you say create those linkages in your brain and make those memories because as you say, the camera if you're looking through a camera it's an opportunity it's a moment you've actually missed yes which is great. It's really great insight. Okay. And I think your insight about the binoculars is also a good one, Rob. Any pair of binoculars is better than no pair of binoculars, Yes, right?
1: absolutely. So
0: rather yes. find a small, lightweight pair you're going to be able to fit in your hand luggage than worry that you don't have the right ones and therefore come with nothing. Yes. No, absolutely. Right, fantastic. Which one destination would you recommend a first-time visitor visits?
1: Well, I mean, you know, as soon as you step off the plane and, and, you, and, you, and you meet the... The little village and little village life and little stands on the outside and there's the Nagami Museum and then there's all the the locals at their little. I think that's wonderful. I mean that sticks with me. Um, Well, that's. You know, to see local culture is what you want to do. Is see local culture. You don't want to see a shopping mall. I mean, yeah. I know. I'm assuming that most people end up in the. Great wilderness and you go to camps and so but but if you're in Mound you want to see Mound you want to see the you want to experience the culture of Mound and the, and the wonderful people how how pleasant they are all you have to do is smile and say hello Dumela and, and acknowledge their presence and they will come back at you with the the, the most wonderful smile you've ever seen in your life <laughs> Well, that's it's a fantastic so answer. You, know. you do
0: have an answer. I told yeah. you I'd get one
1: out
0: of you. Which one resource everyone coming to Botswana should know about? Book, podcast, app?
1: I do want to push the night sky as part of the environment. So I, I am going to say if they could get the book Night Skies of Botswana just to understand the lore, the culture, and the magnificence of the night sky so that they, they get more out of the total experience. They don't just get the birds, the trees, the insects, but they also get the night sky, which is a major part of their safari experience. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: It's, um, it's a major part of the destination. It's it is. It's part of what Botswana offers. and, and yes. we, it's, Yeah. As you say, that, if you're familiar with it because you've read up a little bit about it beforehand, you'll be able to just take a little bit more out of that experience when you do see the stars. And you'll know
1: what to ask the guys. I want to see the Magellanic Clouds.
0: Exactly, (laughs) fantastic! I like that. Okay. Um, top sundowner destination or drink or piece of advice to have the best. Because like I said, I'm
1: going to be weird. Look for bats. That's my advice because there's another species that is totally ignored largely by the populace, which are important to the ecosystem. And little is known about the bats, yet they are there. And you can capture photographs of them. You can hold up your cameras and pop flashes and catch. maybe even catch them and identify a new species of bat. There's so little is known about bats. And this, during sundown, is the time when they start to come out. While you're having your, whatever you're having to drink, just take a look around and look for these. Keep an eye out for bats. Go bat spotting. Go bat spotting.
0: Um, and then the last one, if you had a weekend to explore locally, where would you go?
1: Along the river. The river? Along the river. And the different spots and, and, and taste the different delicacies that, are, that, are, that people offer and the experiences. Because even here along the river, you, if you go to these spots, you get to see the local life. You can see crocodiles and hip, hippos. Um, you never know what you're going to see, actually. Who knows? Yeah, baboons, guess- you have... Virb- uh, monkeys. Yeah. Someone
0: was talking about the lilies are now coming up in the Timonkani oh, yes. And so they're returning. And the bird and life is
1: incredible. The, the, I, I'm not a birder. I, I learn about birds uh, because I'm here, and there's such incredible diversity. That's what I mean. If you go to the water areas, um, and there's many camps, the camps and restaurants and mm-hmm. so on, mm-hmm. along the riverfronts,
0: well, I think that, Steve, one thing that you've highlighted, other than the night sky and just how amazing it is, and I think that it's something that those of us who live here do take for granted, is actually just how much there is available in Mound and what a special place it is that we live in, and yes. how you don't actually have to go far. You can no. have a great first experience by just getting off the plane in Mound. The night skies in Mound are as amazing as they would be in the Delta and as you yeah. have now said if you want to explore, you don't have to go very far, you can just no. stay, stay here and find a spot along the river <laughs> where you can
1: yes. enjoy it yes, absolutely
0: fantastic, well thank you so much for yes. joining me today Steve, I really thank have you learnt yourself. a lot I cannot wait to get my hands on your book ok, excellent, um, thank you we're definitely going to have to make sure we can um, share the link with that, of that with people and okay. all the best with with um, sales and, and reviews you. and I hope you get plenty of more positive feedback back on your book and it does sound like you'll have to be back here sometime to talk about twenty twenty one nights, guys.
1: I know. That sounds that's great. Be happy to thank you uh, to so much. Thanks so
0: much. Steve O'Meara discussing Botswana night skies if you are interested in finding out more about Botswana stars please look for Steve's books I've shared a link in the in the show notes I hope you found this fascinating and I urge every one of you to step outside tonight look up and appreciate exactly where we are that even though this has been a really tough year and 2020's only you know just over halfway through we do live in the most glorious planet And I hope that no matter where you are in the world, you can look up and enjoy your stars and dream about the day you can come and sit under an African night sky. Thanks for listening and for following along on this next step. Once again, I ask if you are enjoying the podcast to please subscribe or share a review. If you are using iTunes, please share a review there. If you have been listening from the beginning, thank you so much for your support. I'm really thrilled at the idea of passing the eight episode mark and knowing that uh, we've been here longer than the average podcast that milestones behind me and so thank you for being there through this it really is getting challenging to keep on producing episodes um, frequently as can be seen by the big gap between episode six and seven but i'm hopefully getting into a bit more of a groove with this and um, committing to the two-week episode launch if you are interested in following along and knowing when I do release an episode, please follow on Facebook as well, as that also helps me to share, um, share the episodes as they come out and share interesting facts and things that relating to what we've produced so far. Thank you for being here and for taking this next step with me. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.